0: We are, we are in our series, um, God-given authority. God-given authority. And uh, the main scripture texts we're looking at are Ephesians chapter 1, Ephesians chapter 3, and Matthew chapter 28. So we're going to begin today uh, in Matthew chapter 28 and verse 18 and 19. Matthew 28 verse 18 and 19. Let's pray. Heavenly Father we thank you for your word, that your word is alive and powerful, that your word uh, impacts and affects us even here today. Father we thank you for sending your word, for watching over your word to perform it. I pray for each and every one of us Father that as we listen to your word that we wouldn't just hear and forget it Father but we would take take it in. That we would allow it to live in us and grow in us and be a part of our life and that we would then be able to do it and act on it. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well Matthew 28 verse 18, this is of course uh, right before Jesus ascended uh, up to heaven after he uh, died buried and was rose again and uh, gained victory over the devil. And defeated him really, and not only defeated him, but really took every sickness and every disease upon him. By his stripes we were healed. And uh, he took all depression, all mental problems, all physical problems, and of course we know all spiritual problems, and uh, he conquered every single one of them. Really Jesus lived a perfect sinless life because we couldn't do it. And uh, yesterday I, I um, was in... Um, uh, oh, Annandale, sorry. I'm from Michigan. There's a town called Allendale. And uh, I, I, all of a sudden I'm like, it's not Allendale. I was in Annandale and talking to a guy, and um, he was a, a Buddhist. And uh, so we had uh, actually a really good conversation. And he was asking about uh, some things about Christianity and stuff. And uh, it's amazing that as a Christian, God Himself comes to live inside of us. And, uh, you know, the Old Testament really, the reason that we even have what uh, people you might hear called the law or the Old Covenant or the Old Testament is really so that we could have something that would help us to see our need of a Savior. In other words, something that we could see like we couldn't do it. And so it's kind of puzzling and amazing when you see New Testament believers try to live by the Old Testament and say well, like, you got to do this, 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 you got to do this and then they get very uh, uh, self-righteous or they get very discouraged, one or the other. Well Jesus actually came to fulfill all of the law because we couldn't do that so He did it in our place perfect, sinless, spotless, in every way He fulfilled the whole law, all of the law. And uh, really the only commandment that we have as believers is to love God and love each other. So he just boiled it down made it real, real simple. Well you might be like, well I have the Ten Commandments on my wall, I like the Ten Commandments in the courthouse. Uh, Any commandment that was ever given, if you walk in love, it would actually fulfill every single commandment. So what happens when you're born again is Romans 5 tells us that the love of God actually comes in our hearts in abundance so that we actually don't even have to love other people with our own ability but we love other people with God's love and with His ability. And um, so Jesus came, died, buried, rose again and conquered all the power of the enemy. Remember what John 10:10 says, I have come that you might have life and that you might have that more abundantly. But right before that Jesus said uh, the thief has come for this reason, to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I have come that you might have, I like sometimes, especially if you've read it before, I love putting the Greek word in there because it helps you hear it in a different way. And so the Greek word there for life is zoe. And that means life the way God has it, or you could say the life and the nature of God. And when someone, when you look in the Gospel of John and you find out that John talks so much about eternal life, It actually is aionius zoe. And so zoe is like the quality of life. And yes it endures forever but that's life as God has. So God has no beginning and no end. So as soon as you accept Jesus Christ you actually get zoe. You get the life of God and the nature of God and from that instant in time you actually are born again and you receive the life and the nature of God. And you'll have that same life and nature of God after you leave uh, what some people call your earth suit. Like you know, if you go out in the outer space you have to have a space suit. This body that you see of mine and that you see of yours is simply just an earth suit. The real you is your spirit man on the inside. You are a spirit, you have a soul and you live in a body. So you have a mind, a will and emotions. That makes up your soul. Um but we're taught in the New Testament really to live out of our spirit our spirits are to dominate us our spirits are the ones that are supposed to be in charge and when your spirit is born again you actually become one with the spirit of God so it's not even the limits of your ability but it's actually the unlimited power and the unlimited ability that God himself has living inside of you and living inside of me all we really need to do is cooperate with him (laughs) And that's where we have the biggest issue sometimes because uh, every human being has a will. Right? And we talked about last week um, when you're talking about having authority from God or authority given to you from God, you can't take that authority and that power and change someone's will. Right? God Himself does not do that and would not do that. So... um, He can have the best life on the earth and life in the world that is to come, as the Bible says. Zoe life, his kind of life. But he won't force it on you and he won't force it on me. In other words, what? You know, you say, like, well, uh, we should just go make people accept Christ. That's not what the gospel says. The gospel says, preach the gospel. He that believeth and is baptized will be saved, he that believeth not will be condemned. So actually, some people like they feel like they have a ministry of convincing people that the Bible is true. You don't have that ministry. The Holy Spirit is the one that convicts the world of sin because they don't believe on Christ. All we're to do is present the gospel, um, in faith and in love, and then the Holy Spirit does the work, right? I think sometimes it's real easy to get um, self-focused, right? So your flesh is very self-focused. And uh, while we are a three-part being, and we can talk about like uh, you are a spirit, you have a soul, mind, will, and emotions, and you live in a body. Uh, the reality is, while you're here in the earth, all three of those are together. <laughs> right? I'm not gonna like uh, go over here, and my body's gonna stay. Right? And so you are you are affected um, by your body. You're affected by your emotions, but you make decisions from your spirit. In other words you decide this is what I'm going to do. And um, then everything else has to follow suit. So when we talk about receiving the word of God and what God said, you actually have to receive the word of God. So just to know that the Bible says that you have authority won't do you any good. You say well yeah I know, I know that I have authority. I know that the Bible says that in my head. Well, um, just like you know, two plus two is four. Okay? So two plus two is four, and uh, I have authority. Well, authority really comes from a place of relationship. Because all faith comes from relationship. From the second that you have a relationship with God, that you come to be born again, you are coming to a person. And that person is Jesus Christ. It's really God the Father through Jesus Christ. He's the way. He's the door. And so, if um, you know, sometimes you know we're a faith church, and um, sometimes you see like uh, uh, people uh, of faith, or what would be maybe called even uh, faith camp or something, and they talk about, well, you gotta have faith. You gotta have this. You gotta have this. You know? um, so much of that, many times, is actually uh, without the realization of relationship. When you don't have the realization of relationship, it's actually um, not the way God intended it. It's actually very harsh, it's just clinical. That's not what, uh, I think I said it this morning when we were talking to the, uh, before we started rehearsing, is that um, there is ingredients to faith. There are certain ingredients that are included in your faith. But faith is not a formula. Right. In other words like if I put these five things in there, if, in other words if I, if I pray for five minutes a day, if I read the word for ten minutes a day, and if I say this phrase then everything's just going to work out. Uh, you actually can't separate faith from the leading of the Holy Spirit because He is a person. And in Christianity it's based on a relationship, not a religion. A religion is really just a a methodology, a discipline, um, that your your lifestyle is this, this, and this, and this, and this. Uh, Don't misunderstand me. When you are a Christian, you will do certain things because of this new life that is inside of you. In other words, I've got this burst inside of me and I've got this desire that I didn't used to have. So now, or I would maybe walk by this person and would not care, or when I had some uh, business to do with this gentleman yesterday, but yet I had a very busy day, I stop and I say, I'm praying, I'm like, Lord, you know, just give me an opportunity to speak to him. And uh, actually I was getting ready to uh, ask him a question because I hadn't had uh, many opportunity and all of a sudden he said can you explain to me? And I said well I would be happy to. <laughs> I'd be really happy to. And um, you know his, uh, being a Buddhist his mindset was um, that you get to what they would consider heaven by doing good works. But just because you do something good. And he said, he said I think it's just like Christianity. You know right? That's how Christianity is because you do so enough good things and then you get to heaven. And I said, well no, that's not actually Christianity. And uh, he said, it's not? And I said, no. And he said, you mean like you could like murder somebody and go to heaven? Like you could be a murderer, murder them and you're going to go to heaven? And I said, well I said don't misunderstand me. I said as soon as you are made new on the inside, your desires change, your nature changes and then you won't desire to do those things. So your actions will change. I said, but you can't do anything to come to God. You cannot be good enough to come to God. You can't, you can't make it happen on your own. That's the whole reason Jesus came. He came so we could come to God. And so then we just accept what he did. And so the guy said, he was, he was wonderful because he's like, oh, so you're saying like all the sins and everything, that all went on Jesus. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> and um, and uh, he's like, oh. And uh, so anyhow, we had a really good discussion. But It's important. And so, what happens is, um, you know, I've been studying uh, uh, personally, my personal studies, I've been like doing another look at faith, you could call it, and also um, some things on healing. And one thing I'm noticing about uh, people that the Lord really mightily used is they all kind of point out that you can't just skim the Word of God and actually have it work for you that uh, like uh, Kenneth Hagin said uh, concerning healing, it's a constant, diligent, rare, uh, prayerful study of the Word of God. And then um, even uh, A.B. Simpson said some very similar things. And you find out that what happens is, I like, um, you guys ever heard of T.L. Osborne? So he was missionary, wonderful, world-changing missionary, and uh, we had the privilege of sitting in some of his meetings. And um, I'll never forget it. Just how he said it. So I'm going to say it to you that way. But he said, you just take the word of God and you pour over it and you let it like come into you. And you see what happens is when you take the word of God and you receive it that way, it actually becomes a part of you. So that now when you're thinking on the word and you're turning over, you're like, okay, God said, he said, I have given you authority all power and authority has been given unto me. Go therefore. He said that and so you start to think on it and as you start to think on it and your, your heart, your spirit man is open to the Lord he starts to show you things that you didn't see before. You start to see things that you didn't see and maybe know things you didn't know. And all of a sudden you start to feel a greater stability on the inside. And you start to feel like, whoa uh, for me it's kind of like sometimes my head doesn't really... Uh, Grab hold of exactly what it is, but in my in my spirit, it's almost like you're like uh, rejoicing or, or jumping, or you know, you're just like, "Whoa, this is this is really good." Well, once the word comes and becomes a part of you, um, it's living inside of you. Like the word itself is alive inside of you and active inside of you, uh, and inside of me. As opposed to, okay, I know I'm supposed to do this and I know I'm supposed to do this and okay, wait a minute, now what am I supposed to say to this person if they ask me about the Lord? What am I supposed to say to this person if they ask about this? You have the answer on the inside because the greater one lives on the inside of you. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. And the more that you pour over the word of God and the more that you allow the word of God to get a hold of you, you allow the word of God to live inside of you. Remember in John Jesus said if you abide in me and my words abide in you you will ask what you will and it will be done unto you or for you or it will be that way in you. But the word has to actually live inside of you. Well the only way that the word can live inside of us is if we eat the word so to speak. Yeah. Well how do you eat it? Well you, you take it in. It comes into your being. So it's not, just, it's not just a casual reading of the Word of God it's not just a casual looking at the Word of God but you actually receive the Word of God. And then you can say like Paul said it is no longer I that live but Christ that lives in me. You realize that Christ means the anointed one and His anointing. And we know that in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God. So what happens is Christ, He has come and made His home inside of you. to live inside of you when you're a Christian. And then as you meditate on the Word, that anointing that is His and that's on the Word and that is in you begins to rise up. And you begin to be strengthened and you begin to start to see and to know things that you didn't see and that you didn't know. But you don't know I'm here, you know I'm here. And eventually you'll know, know, be like oh, oh, I I see it. That's why I love like if you get uh, revelation from the Lord, you're like It says, you know, all power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Go therefore, and the revelation is, all power is given unto me. Go therefore, and somebody that doesn't have that is not understanding it. They're like, "Uh, you just said the same thing, but to you it's like alive, right? It's it's powerful, and you're like, well, I I can't explain it, but I see it. Well, that's because the Holy Spirit has come to make the things of Christ real to us. And when He makes it real to you it's the exact same words on the page. But they are alive and they are living. And they shouldn't just be living for that moment but they should settle down and live inside of us. So we're talking about authority. Jesus said in uh, Matthew 28 verse 18, He came and spoke to them and said, all power is given unto me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things, whatever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Now that is like an amazing statement because these men had just traveled with the most amazing minister ever that was or will be And, but it was only for like three years. And then he's like, Hey, I got to tell you something. I'm leaving. Well, you'd be like, Oh, really? (laughs) Can you stay a little longer? He's like, No, no, this is better. Like, really? You think it's better? But you saw the works that he did, and how many times were you wrong? You know, and you're like, Okay, Jesus, we should do this, or Jesus, we should do that, or we we shouldn't do that. And you're kind of like, Okay, I know you know more than what I know, but this does not seem right. But he said, But I will. Abide with you forever. And of course, in you know, in John we learned that he said, It's better for you that I go away, because if I don't go away, the Holy Spirit, the comforter, cannot come. And the comforter comes and strengthens you and invigorates you with strength and ability and boldness and understanding and shows you things to come. So he said, like, you know, it's better for you. That I go away because right now I could just come and I could only be with you like by being next to you like I'm next to Eddie but now when the Holy Spirit comes I'm not going to put my hand in your throat or anything you know <laughs> I'm gonna come live inside of you so now like um, you know you ever go somewhere and you took somebody with you and then all of a sudden they had to use the restroom and you're kind of like uh you know <laughs> I can't remember what event, but I was at an event that was more to do with ladies. And my wife goes to use the restroom, and you feel very awkward, like being a guy there, and you're like, oh, where are you at? Where are you at? But Jesus came to live inside of us. So if you want Jesus to show up on the scene somewhere, you have to show up on the scene somewhere, or another believer has to show up on the scene somewhere, then Jesus is on the scene. But Jesus can be on the scene and do no good and do nothing and be totally ineffective if you limit him. And how do you limit him? Well, one of the biggest ways that we limit him is we don't know what he wants to do in us or through us. And we don't understand. We're kind of like waiting, saying, okay, Lord, I'm here. You do something. But Jesus said in this this very verse, verse 18, or excuse me, verse 19, uh, all power has been given unto me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore. And then he tells us what to do. So the value of authority is actually based on what is behind that authority. We talked a little bit last week about the authority of uh, the office of the president in the United States. So we know, uh, well maybe you don't know but I assume everybody knows that people have very strong opinions about President Trump. Um, And so We talked last week. It doesn't really matter whether you agreed with President Trump or you disagreed with President Trump, excuse me, Donald Trump at that point. As soon as he was sworn into office, all the power in that office, all the authority in that office was his to use. It doesn't matter uh, if he's. Was a man or a woman was elected, or a young person was elected, or an older person was elected. It, it all has to do, or a smart person was elected, or a dumb person was elected. It all has to do with the office, the powers resident in the office. Well, the same thing true for us. It doesn't really matter how you see yourself. Like, I think sometimes we look to ourselves and like we're going to do it it's the Word living in us, it's Christ living in us, it's His authority. right? So think of the example of a police officer who is going to direct traffic. So he goes out and he's got a uniform on, a lot of times a reflective vest and he may have a wand, he may not have a wand. But that police officer is. if he stands and this is a road and there's a car coming here and he holds up his hand that car stops. Well I guarantee you if he's the only one standing there, if you want to like be the driver of the car which of course you would never do this, but a car is no match for a human being, the human being would be crushed. He doesn't have the power in himself, his own power, to stop a car that's coming at him. But he has the authority to stop that car. And so um, he's not looking to his own ability. He's not getting up and saying, Well, I, you know, I bench pressed, you know, so much weight this morning. Um, you can tell I don't bench press because so I can't even throw out a number. But anyhow, <laughs> I jog. So I bench press so much this morning, so I'm just going to stop these cars this morning. I'm just going to grab hold of them and stop them. No, it's his authority that he uses. Just the same way in the office of the president, it's the authority that he has and that he uses. So if he's going to uh, launch an airstrike somewhere, he's not going to actually you know, even go and get on an airplane and drop a bomb out. He's going to give an order and it's going to be followed. And um, so the value of authority is really based on what's behind it. So think about this. Think if we here in the United States had a military of about 90,000 men and women. And uh, you, know, you could fit that in, the, I think the largest stadium in the U.S. is up in Michigan and it seats, used to seat 109,000, now it seats 107,000 people. So you could have like this huge football arena, this huge football stadium, we could fit our entire army in that stadium. And then um, maybe we have like 10 fighter planes and um, 10 tanks and some speed boats with guns. And then we say to, uh, you know, say an ISIS stronghold over in the Middle East, uh, you better stop it. And they're going to say like, seriously? Like, I'm not afraid of you, you know? Um, But if you say like, uh, you know, we have nuclear weapons... We have six or seven hundred thousand military people. We have, I don't know, I didn't research the number of airplanes and bombers and fighters and stealth and tanks and everything that we actually have. But we have an enormous military. And so, um, you know, the president can order and the Congress can order all of that military into action to do something so that when the president speaks and says, you better not do that, there's actually a lot behind him. So in our case uh, Jesus said all power and authority has been given unto me in heaven and on earth. And we know in Colossians chapter 2 it says that he spoiled principalities and powers and made a show of them openly. He actually went to hell itself and defeated all the powers of hell, grabbed the keys of death, hell, sickness, disease, everything from the devil and from all of his uh, cohorts his minions and he gained that authority and then he said after having conquered them, you know I love the translation it says like he paraded them naked in front for all to see like their weakness and their inability and then he said coming from that, coming from that battle that utter defeat of the devil, he said all authority has been given unto me go therefore. So he said I have all authority go ahead and go. So, you know, if you're, if uh, the president calls you up and says, hey, I'd like you to be a special uh, czar of something. I give you authority to hire uh, 500 people. I give you authority to establish an office, you know, on K Street. I give you authority to such and such and such and such. Or he might even say that. He said, I'm the president hired you as a czar of this, I want you to go establish an office, I want you to you know, you're authorized to hire about a thousand people, blah, 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 so on and so forth. Well you can just go do it. Well this is really what Jesus was doing with us. He said all authority has been given unto me. Go therefore. So you know we're not really to go through life and just take whatever comes our direction and say, oh I guess that's the will of God, I guess that's what the Lord wants because this happened and that happened and I guess the Lord's trying to teach me something through it and uh, I guess this is how it's going to be and um, you know, there, you notice there's kind of like a whine in my voice. <laughs> no, we are actually to have dominion and exercise dominion. Now uh, we moved here in uh, July of 2014 and uh, when we moved you know, um, there were a lot of attacks of the enemy that were really released against us. And one of the things that happened is we came, we got uh, moved into our house. (laughs) That's funny. We kind of got moved into our house. They were supposed to have internet and like, oh yeah, it's there and all this stuff. And it was like I don't know, a month and a half before we had it. So uh, I was working remotely so I had to go like to another state to work. And so those are just some of the little little things that happened. But uh, a lot of things were very difficult. Praise the Lord. But We went on, uh, every summer normally we go to my wife's parents up in northern Minnesota. And so we went up to northern Minnesota and we're driving to my favorite state park up there. It's called Glendalow State Park. It's a beautiful little state park and like crystal clear water and this beautiful stream and we go there every summer with the kids. And so Melody has uh, a lot of sisters and one brother and so one of the sisters said, well I would like to, um, can the kids ride with me? And so my older two kids uh, got in the car with her (laughs) And um, we're following them to the state park and it's probably like a 45 minute drive I think, something like that. And so we're driving along and um, you know just going down the road and all of a sudden she had this little convertible, is it cabriolet or something like that? Anyhow it didn't have like a roll bar or anything like that on it. And so we're driving along, all of a sudden uh, she's about I don't know, 4 three or four hundred feet in front of us going 55 or 60. And all of a sudden she loses control of the car and it it goes, and it goes up on two wheels like this and then on two wheels like this. And as this is happening I didn't even have time to think. I just said and Melody was looking away or something and I just said, I said, those are our kids in the name of Jesus. And that car flipped back down like this, went off the road and just sat right there. And um, aside from taking authority, that thing should have flipped. And my kids were in the back so they would have, uh, and they weren't, I don't think, buckled in that tight. They were buckled but not that tight. Um, so it wouldn't have been a, a very good picture. But I didn't premeditate it, I didn't have time to premeditate it. Um, but because I have a relationship with the Lord and I think about the things of God, they're rolling around on the inside of me. So all of a sudden it came. But I didn't realize at the time until later that uh, Melody said to me, she said, do you know what you said? And I said, I I don't know. I said like the name of Jesus or something. I was kind of a little shook up because I'm like, what? (laughs) What just happened? And um, she said, no. She said, you said those are our kids in the name of Jesus. So you realize if you have children, you have authority over your children and the lives of your children. And so I unconsciously, obviously inspired by the Spirit of God my position of authority, those are my kids in the name of Jesus. In other words, in the name of Jesus you don't have a right to destroy my children or to injure my children. And so um, it's amazing the things in life that the devil will try to bring at you, but if you actually stand in authority you can stand against it. And um, you know, um, I don't know how many people have heard uh, of Terry Mize and he's uh, with Kenneth Copeland Ministries a lot. Uh, He has a book, I actually have it right here called More Than Conquerors. And um, it's a really good book. uh, It talks a lot about faith. Um, But I'll summarize his testimony. Um, He said, he was talking to somebody and somebody was asking him about authority and stuff like this and he said to the guy, he said, I said all of us have the Word of God. We don't have to put up with bugs or even get sick. If somebody comes and shoots me, who have I helped? If I leave my family, uh, wife and my family in Guadalajara to drive up in the villages up in the mountains where nobody has any idea where I am and some drunk guy comes along and shoots me because I'm preaching the Word of God or because he does not like the way I look or because he's full of the devil, who have I helped? And so he's like actually witnessing to somebody about, you know, like... you know, no, it's not like you can't say that's the will of God, that everything, you got to stand against it. Well, like right after that, they got like this sound system. I think it was from John Osteen. And so he drove up to the U.S., got the sound systems, coming across the border, heading back to Guadalajara. And as he's heading back, um, he sees this hitchhiker along the side of the road. And he said, I don't know that the Lord, I don't necessarily the Lord did or didn't tell me to pick him up, I just thought I'm going to pick up this guy. So the guy gets in the car, as soon as the guy gets in the car he's drunk. And not only is he drunk, as soon as they start going he grabs a gun and points it at his head and says give me all your money. And so now he's thinking why in the world did I say all that? (laughs) Because what happens, the devil will try to challenge you the second that you try to take your position of authority. He'll try to say okay do you actually believe what you're saying um, that you believe? Well, what he did, to make a long story short, maybe next week uh, I can uh, expound more in the testimony, but he said, he said, you cannot shoot me in the name of Jesus, and he never changed his confession. He continued to say it. Well, the guy got so mad at him, they're out of the car, that the guy takes the gun, it's like 10 feet away from him, and goes boom, 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 unloads it. And the bullets fall down to his side on the ground. And he is completely preserved and completely fine. But he took his authority and he didn't change what he said. So I've I just given some things to say like um, there are dramatic things that actually your life can be changed if you take your authority. I know there was a, when I was filled with the Holy Ghost... Uh, I was attending the Baptist church and it wasn't at a Baptist service but that's the church I was attending at the time, Southern Baptist Church. It's a great church, loved the pastor. And, um, so, uh, but I was hungry for uh, teaching on healing and different things like that because I didn't know about it and so I was uh, quote unquote, sneaking off to this other church. It was pastored by a woman and the Baptist didn't look too kindly on that. Anyhow, so I I would go there and this lady told a testimony. She was at the church one night after the service and she's there and she had this little dog and she loved this little dog. And while she's there these thieves come to bust in and they bust in the building and they're trying to get the offering. And she said said, no, you can't have it in Jesus' name. And they said we're going to kill you. And she said, "You can't touch me in Jesus' name. You can't do it." And uh, long story short, she was preserved. She was fine. The only thing that happened is her little dog got scared and like uh, ripped her lip <laughs> with his little his little uh, claw or something like that. But um, uh, a woman all alone in that building, robbers come, you know. And so we are not to just say like, "Oh, I guess this is how it's going to be." But we are to take our position of dominion. And one of the best ways that you can just take your position of dominion and that you calm down and you say, okay, like, I've got this, I'm not worried about it, is you know Him personally. You say, you know what, this is my Father God and this is what He said And if you start to know the character of God, that God does not lie, that He cannot lie, that He is a just God, that He is a loving God that He wants to help you and He doesn't want to hurt you, that He wants to give you hope, that He wants to give you a future, then you can say like, whoa, He's the one that said this. He's the one that said that I have authority. And if He said that, He wouldn't lie. And so then when you step out and you stand in your position of authority and you say, no, those are my kids in the name of Jesus or something like that then you can sit there and you can say that didn't even come from me, that came from Him. Because I'm just with Him. Do you understand? Like one of the greatest dangers in um, Christian life and uh, when you start to realize who you are in Christ and what you have in Christ, one of the greatest dangers is self-righteousness and finding like I have all the answers and I said the right thing and I did the right thing. As soon as we all realize that nothing that we have we have not received that everything came from God and it's all of Him and the only reason that we're even here today is because of the blood of Jesus and because God gives us breath and God gives us life that we look to Him and He's the one that gives us the words to speak and He's the one, He said in that time you don't even have to figure out what to speak, but it, what you're to speak actually will be given to you. Instead of premeditating figure figuring out what am I going to say, what am I going to do, just stay close to the Lord And get in the Word and find out what do you have. And find out, well I have authority. And then you think about it. Like don't over-spiritualize it. You just think on it and you say, oh I have authority. And so you study the Word and you expect the Lord to show you things and if you're having trouble seeing it say, Lord show me that. You said that you'd show me. So show me. I want to see. I want to know. I I so often do that. You may find somebody like... um, they were tutored by like the most amazing minister you could possibly think of. But I say, Lord, I sometimes I'll see them I'm be like, oh it would have been nice to like get taught by them personally, like say Smith Wigglesworth or somebody like that with Lester Summerall. But I'm like, but Lord I have the Holy Spirit and you said he would teach me. So I want you to teach me. Right? It doesn't negate people in offices because God gave the office of a teacher and so you're going to receive a lot when you receive a lot from the teacher. But The only way you're even going to receive there is by the Holy Spirit showing you and teaching you and guiding you. T.L. Osborne used to say, didn't intend to quote him so much today but wonderful man of God. He used to say, um, you can learn but I can't teach. You can learn but I can't teach. The Holy Spirit is the teacher. So you can present something but you have to rely upon the Holy Spirit uh, to reveal it, to make it real, uh, to unfold it. And really When the Bible, the Word of God becomes real to you, it's not a task to act on the Word. You just do because it's so real. And um, you know God can be more real to you than your husband or wife that's in the bed next to you sleeping at night. Can be more real to you than your best friend. Stand with me if you would. Every head bowed and every eye closed. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, as we said before, you actually can't clean yourself up good enough. You're not supposed to clean yourself up before you come to Christ. You come just like you are. If that's you here this morning or online, uh, just lift up your hand if you're here or email us at infoinc at anchordc.org if you're listening online. We'll pray with you and for you and in an instant you'll be recreated in Christ Jesus. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, that your word is alive and powerful. Thank you uh, that we can feed on your word and that we get life and your spirit brings us understanding. Father, I pray for each and every one of us. I plead the blood of Jesus over everything that concerns us. Father, I thank you that you have given us everything that we need for life and godliness through the knowledge of Jesus Christ so we pray just like Paul prayed that you would give unto us a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him the eyes of our understanding being enlightened that we may know what is the hope of your calling and what are the riches of the glory of your inheritance in the saints what's the exceeding greatness of your power both in and for us and toward us who believe that same power that you used when you raised up Christ from the dead and put him at your own right hand. Father, I pray that you'd help us to see from that perspective, that you'd help us to know in our inner man, by the Holy Ghost, that we are seated with Christ in heavenly places, far above all the work of the enemy, far above all the power of the enemy, far above all the authority of the enemy. Father, I thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.